Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. In the situation, think about who the Padres are and the swagger that they have. If it's Tatis... Who hits that home run? Oh. I mean, they they probably oh. would have stopped the game. This is the press box. Brought out a full mariachi yes. and had like a party on the yes. field. Ed Rainey and Adam Candy. For the that. bat toss would still be in the air. The, uh, absolutely. It would still be in the air. Uh, like Manny Machado would have would have gone out to the mound, pulled his pants yes. down, taken a dump on the mound, <laughs> and said, You pitch through this for the rest of the day. On ESPN Las Vegas. No dumps on the mound today. You never know. Ed, Adam Candy, Danny running the show. Big show had a lot of good guests. Uh, Jeff Erickson, you can actually start getting your fantasy questions in right now. 69187. Preface your text with ESPN. If you want any fantasy football questions, Jeff Erickson, you can start sending them now. And at 845, here we go, Adam Candy. We're going to hopefully give away $1,000 with the Dollar Loan Center uh, Friday Football Frenzy. All you got to do is pick three games, no spreads. Adam? We have not been able to give this money away. $100 each week, we're up to a grand. Listen, man, I've been trying to do these things with spreads all year and haven't <laughs> been any more successful. Like I, This has been a difficult year. I, I feel the people. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. We're going to give them three games, like usual, at 845. All you have to do is pick the winners, and we're going to give you 1000 bucks. So wait around for that. Also got um, Kevin Hart and Post Malone tickets once again. So big show ahead. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm excited. I'm 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 excited that I'm gonna I'm gonna win Kevin Hart tickets. I'm post gonna win post Malone tickets. tickets. And I'm gonna win a thousand dollars today. Well right. Just be calling whatever we say and uh Danny'll pick it up and uh There's... we're so desperate to give away the thousand dollars, I think everyone's now eligible here. Danny so, oh, might oh, even oh. be eligible. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Degenerate Danny is in the studio and no yeah. one's won the thousand dollars. He has all the picks. Nobody, and I've given them I think twice. Yeah, he's times. given the he's given the picks away twice and oh. we try to God. I mean, we try to be simple with one and say, hey, this is the gimme. And then we get a little harder. Now with the $1,000, I think we got to get a little harder in terms of the next two games. The first one, if you can't get the first one today, hello, Jeff Saturday. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I mean, we're going to talk about that. But if you can't get the first one today, not good at all, my friend. The first bite. What happened to win now? What happened to win now, Adam Candy? Win now. We're going to give hundreds of millions of dollars away in contracts for the Raiders. And now at two and six, all I'm hearing is, you know what? This was about evaluating this year. This was about giving guys, you know, time for us to watch uh, how they play, how they fit in our system. We know what happened to John Abram. And I do want to get in a little while uh, to something you said yesterday because I thought it was a great point you made about John Abram first round picks uh, on a Cofield show. But, uh, Two and six, usually the narrative seems to change inside the building when you're losing, and the Raiders are, and it's no longer win now, but it's like evaluating players. Are you okay with that? Are you okay when you're two and six and kind of the narrative is going to change because obviously at two and six it's hard to win now? Hell no, I'm not okay Okay. with that. And nobody around the Raiders should be okay with that, and no Raiders fan is okay with that. That's not what you were promised this year. You had a playoff team last year, and all we heard all offseason, Ed, was they were one throw away from beating the team that won the AFC. Well, where are they now? A long way away from that, 
apparently, because that's what they're selling, right? They're selling this idea that, well, now it's two and six, and we're going to evaluate what we have and figure out what happens next. No, no, no fan should be okay with that all the way up to Mark Davis. And we've heard that, oh, Mark Davis had closed-door meeting with Josh McDaniels. Maybe Josh McDaniels is safe. Maybe Josh McDaniels isn't safe. Well, here's what we know. We know that this Raiders team is a team that has lost three 17-point leads, and we know that this Raiders team is last in the league in a lot of advanced defensive metrics. So it's not going well on either side of the ball right now. Right. Exactly. Uh, I, I want to bring up this then. If that's if that's the case, and I wrote about this for the paper the other day, uh, what's considered a successful season? And to me, when you go out, uh, not on the limb, but when you go out with your actions in terms of all those contracts and not making moves in your offensive line because you think you're okay there and not making a lot of moves defensively because you think you're okay there, if you don't think if you don't make the playoffs, and I know at two and six, I think their percentages now are three point seven, so it's a really you know long shot. I think it's a failure. I think it's a failure of a season. The way you started out, you can't come like you said. You can't come back now on. It's not about that. It's about evaluating people. You you need to make the playoffs, and again, the odds of that are very very low at this point uh, to do that. I just think if you don't make the playoffs, it was a failure of a season. I agree with you, Ed. It is a failure of a season. You don't even need to say it was a failure. It, it is a failure of a season because look down the line at this schedule and tell me how the Raiders are making the playoffs when they still have to play Kansas City, San Francisco, and apparently Seattle, among others that we don't, we don't know how they're going to play against the Rams. We have no idea how they'll play against the Chargers. But those are games where I can feel confident in saying I don't think the Raiders are winning those games. So now we look at what does this season mean and Ed I think your point is well taken that it's a failure but my question goes back to you because you've been watching this franchise from long before they got to Las Vegas and the question is if there's going to be accountability what's the accountability who who is the accountability going to come from because we know that Mark Davis didn't want to fire John Gruden despite everything that was going on with right. John Gruden he didn't last want him season. gone no right he didn't want him gone no. he he just handpicked Ziegler and McDaniels And things are not going well. And let me just point out one thing along the lines of that, because this goes to what do they do now? What do they do next year? Tell me if you ever heard this, because I don't remember hearing this. The kind of criticism that Devontae Adams has pointed toward the offensive play calling is not something I remember ever hearing during the Gruden era. No matter what else was going on during John Gruden's tenure, I don't remember them saying, well, we should well, we should have been sticking with what we were doing or this or that. I remember them having a lot of questions about, you know, fourth down decisions and that sort of stuff. Red zone. But not about the play call. Right. Red zone, fourth down decisions. Right. Should he have gone? Should he have not gone? Right. And so all that kind of stuff factoring in. So I think to myself now, okay, so where is the accountability? Because... The accountability is clearly not going to be firing a GM after one year. It's probably not going to be firing a head coach after one year. It's probably not going to be getting rid of the star receiver that you just traded a bunch of picks and gave a huge contract for. I keep coming back to the quarterback. And to me, if you're going to have accountability fall somewhere within this organization, it's going to be the quarterback who this year has been less accurate than he was in past years. I think it was Josh Dubell from the AP who put the stats out yesterday who said that Derek Carr, if you look at his last three seasons before this, his percentage of on-target passes is just about the same. It's down 6 or 7% this year. Which and it's is, down by the way, a ton. Yeah. Which a is, ton. by the way, a ton. 
No, a ton, right? Ed? That that's a lot. Oh, it's it's definitely a lot. Um, in that realm, then you know they can get out of his contract after one year. Uh, and a lot of people forget that. A lot of people see, oh, you know, 120 million, whatever the number was that he signed for. No, and I I think they did that on purpose. I think they negotiated that on purpose. I don't know if they were completely all in on him to begin with. You know, uh, you know what McDaniel's thought. Obviously, it's the most important position. That's the position that McDaniel's deals with the most. When you have a contract where you can get out after a year, uh, to me, that says a lot. And that goes back to now, what would be a successful season? I had someone say the other day uh, in a in a uh, uh, newspaper meeting, well, two and fifteen, and everyone said, "What do you mean? Well, two and fifteen? That's successful because uh, uh, you know then there's these three quarterbacks out there: Kentucky, Ohio State, and Bama. These three kids who everyone's putting at the top of the list, and you can go get your franchise quarterback. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to win games and. I said the other day, I think one of the worst things you can do in professional sports, uh, not that you're not trying to win, but, you know, finishing kind of in the middle of the pack, not the playoffs, and then you kind of, you know, you're not even in the top 10 in the draft. That's purgatory. Um, do you remember when, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks was that, were that every year? Like they'd sneak in or they wouldn't sneak in, and they never got a good draft pick forever um, until things changed there. So, in the, you know, in, in the, they're not going to tank. They're going to try to win. You know, McDaniel's going to try to win every quarter, every half, every, every game. The players don't give a damn about draft picks, nor should they. This is their livelihood. But what is the best for this team long term when you have a quarterback who's not playing well and you can get after, you can get out of his deal after one year? So I think I'd ask that question to the fans because the fans fight back on this idea all the time of finishing two and 15 being the best possible outcome. So if you're a fan of the Raiders, ask yourself this. What would you like to have at quarterback next year? Would you like to have Matt Ryan and or Carson Wentz throwing to Devontae Adams? Because that's the level of quarterback that being in the middle gets you. You go out and you go into free agency and you find that level of veteran that you take a shot on. Or if you don't, then you stick with Derek Carr for another year. Right, right. Are you okay with that if you're a Raiders fan? Think about it that way. Because if not, then you have to be okay with going 2-15 and 15 and picking at the top of the draft. And I'm not telling you that that is a guarantee because if I were a Jets fan right now, even if I were excited about being 6-3, and three, if I had to watch Zach Wilson play every week, I would be tearing my hair out. And the guy was the number two <laughs> overall pick. So you're no guarantee coming from picking at the top of the draft. But that's the chance that you have to take. And right now, if you're committed to this Ziggler McDaniels regime if you want to believe that this is what's going to help this franchise turn it around then you have to blow some stuff up right now and you can't just say I'll blow it up on the defensive side of the ball because that's a lot tougher fix than trying to get a better quarterback nothing raises your franchise up quicker than getting a bright young quarterback think think about this way on his rookie deal to be able to build around for a team that, by the way, when you look at next year, they're already the second most dead cap franchise mm -hmm. in the league. They're going to be starting from a huge disadvantage in building the team next year. So just think about it this way. How badly did everybody in Chicago feel about the Bears three weeks ago? And how do the people in Chicago feel about the Bears right, right now? now? Because yep. Justin Fields just started to figure it out a little bit. That's the hope you get from a young quarterback and going two and 15. Your point yesterday I thought was well taken in the Cofield. I want you to talk about it right now because John Abram uh, was waived, uh, hooked on with the Packers uh, quickly. Maybe Rich Bisaccia said, hey, he can play special teams for us. Um, and good for John. I don't think anyone wanted him to be out very long. I mean, he, you know, you, you, you want guys to get other chances. 
Uh, but uh, your point about who are quote unquote first round busts, um, and that was you know that we've seen that a lot in a few days. You know, Leatherwood was a first round bust. John Abram was a first round bust. Um, is Clee Farrell? They didn't give him a fifth year option. We'll see about him. Josh Jacobs. I don't think anyone's saying that right now because of how he's playing. Uh, but reiterate your point on this in terms of what what qualifies as a first-round bust, and do, do, do those really exist? I think it's possible for a first-round bust to exist, but I we, we shouldn't be talking about that with the Raiders. We should not be talking about John Abram being a first-round bust, and we shouldn't be talking about Alex Leatherwood being a first-round bust because they didn't choose to be drafted in the first round right. far ahead of where they should have been drafted. That's just another failure of the Gruden and Mayock era. Look, Alex Leatherwood was thought to be a mid-second round pick before the Raiders took him at 17. No one believed that John Abram was a guy who was going to be drafted in the first round when anyone who watched him in the SEC knew that he couldn't cover, right? That he's miscast. You can't go buy a sports car and have it go flying through a school zone, getting speed tickets and saying, well, it's the car's fault. No, it shouldn't have been put in a school zone. That's pretty much what you did with John Abram. You took a guy whose best skill is going downhill and blowing people up and asked him to cover. And then when he was going downhill and blowing people up and getting penalties, you're like, well, what are you doing? Well, that's who he is. He's not a bust as a first round pick. The guy never should have been drafted as high as he was drafted in the first place. And then the expectations get set at a level that is impossible for that guy to live up to. And John Abram always had expectations that were way higher than they ever should have been for the guy. The same as Alex Leatherwood. Everyone knew from the jump it wasn't going to work. And so that's a failure of the previous regime. And that's the one thing that I'll say for what's gone on this year with Ziegler and McDaniels. They have not been afraid to move off the mistakes of the Gruden and Mayock era, and they mm -hmm. have done so expediently. Great stuff there. Uh, loved the point yesterday. Uh, guys, don't, it's not their fault where they're drafted, and they're certainly not going to uh, say, no, I don't want to be picked here, and I don't want to make the money of a first-round pick compared to where I was supposed to be taken. All right. Uh, off and running, Ed Graney, Adam Candy, Danny running the show. Uh, Bishop, we wish you well. He's, he's, uh, he's fighting something. He's fighting something, this kid. We hope he's better. Back after this. Knights are 2-0 in overtime this season. Toronto, a 1-2. Now Smith is in. Backhander. He scores! Riley Smith got a little thread up the middle. A shimmy and a shake went to his backhand. Riley Smith scores his second of the contest, his seventh of the season. What a way to celebrate career game 700. The Knights defeat the Leafs 4-3 in overtime. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Jeff Erickson at 7.30. Get your fantasy football questions in now. 69187, preface the text with ESPN. 69187, we already have some calls there, excuse me, some texts coming in. Get them in uh, right now for Jeff Erickson. He'll answer all your fantasy football questions coming up at 730. Uh, Adam, degenerate in here, degenerate Danny, is looking at the future schedule of your Vegas Golden Knights. He likes the next 10 games, uh, which would make them, I believe, 22-2. and two. That would be a nice start in hockey. Uh <laughs> You and I have not talked about them. I know you follow them closely. How good are the 12 and 2 Golden Knights? The 12 and 2 Golden Knights are 12 and 2 and that's all you need to know, yeah. right? I mean, l last year we heard so much about how, you know, they were better than the record. Well, no, they weren't. They 
they were who they were and they missed the playoffs. And we heard all about the man games lost and so on. Well, guess what we're not hearing about this year? Man games lost. They're healthy. And that's really the story with the Golden Knights thus far. They're healthy. They have superstars who are healthy and playing like superstars. They didn't have a lot of that last year. And when you have that in this league, the kind of talent they've amassed, you're going to be able to go on runs like this. It doesn't mean that they're a team that's going to win at this level the entire season. They're not. But at the same time, they have been performing up to the level of the talent that they have, and that allows you to go on this kind of run. And if they stay healthy, they absolutely will be able to do that. But, of course, we know that it's hockey. They're not all going to stay this healthy. There will come a tougher stretch. Uh, did we give up on William? Well, I don't. I shouldn't say we because I'm not sure your thoughts. But uh, he, you know, he has 43 the first year, and then uh, precipitously he's, he's downgraded since then. But did we give up on William Carlson too soon? He's never a 40 plus goal scorer. That was never who William Carlson is or was. Right? He had an outlier season. It, it was a Brady Anderson 50 plus home run season. That's what William Carlson had, and so. Did we give up on that too soon? No, because it was never going to be that. But the Golden Knights never gave up on William Carlson. That's what's really most important here. Think about everything this team has gone through in terms of the cap machinations and misfits who have come and gone. One guy we've never once heard about in terms of trade rumors, anything like that, is William Carlson. Mm -hmm. They value his two-way game. They value the fact that he can play on the second power play. They value the fact that he's really good on the penalty kill and they value the fact that he might be the easiest lowest maintenance guy in that locker room. Absolutely. Um, you know, he, and in talking to him, you get that sense every time in terms of low maintenance and the 200 foot game, they always talk about, I, uh, I was interested in your thoughts on there because uh, Lindsay said it yesterday. She actually thinks, you know, we're talking about the MVP so far. Eichel's the easy choice. Is this the best version of Riley Smith we've seen? You talk about the goalies. You've got like some un, un, underrated players so far. But she she put out William Carlson. She said that William Carlson, for many of the reasons you did, would be her MVP pick. I'm not going to argue with that because William Carlson does a lot of the things that I think don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet as well. But for me, the MVP of this team is... It's not close. There's not a competition. There's not even a number two. Whoever you're going to talk about is number three. It's Logan Thompson. And it's not all that close for me because when you looked at this team this year, what was the one thing we all said? Are they going to have the goaltending? Right? Right, right. We looked at Robin Leonard being out for the season and said, oh, my God, what are they going to do? Can Logan Thompson play the way he did at the end of last year? Well, he hasn't played the way he did at the end of last year. He's been better. Logan Thompson is rocking a save percentage over 930 right now. He is in the top 10 in the league in goals saved above average. What we wanted out of Logan Thompson was don't suck. Right. Well, guess right. what? He hasn't been anywhere close to suck. Sucking. He has been the opposite of that. And if he plays at that level, what it does is it allows the Golden Knights to not have the kind of performance they've had from the top two lines, right? If you have Logan Thompson good enough to actually win you some games as opposed to avoiding losing you games, then you have a goaltender who is giving you at least what you would have hoped for out of Robin Leonard for a a fraction of the cost. Uh, Speaking of goalies, this is interesting. Laurent Brassois allowed nine goals in four periods during his conditioning stint in the NHL. Danny Webster of The Sun tweeted yesterday, BGK recalled Brassois from his conditioning loan, but he remains on IR. I, what do you do with this guy? I mean, I think they were hoping 
that he'd go down and play really well, and maybe he'd be some trade bait. Uh, I don't know with the way the other two are playing, Aiden Hill and, and Logan Thompson, that you want to carry three. Um, I don't. He's not in waiver. He's not waiver exempt. So, uh, what, if you're if you're Kelly McCrimmon and you're seeing this kind of non-production in the AHL, it seems like the worst case scenario for you uh, if if he's ready and when he's ready to come off IR. Well, right now you have to keep in mind that the most expensive goaltender on the roster yes. for the over, Colton Knights over two is Laurent Brassois. Yeah, over two million. Right, two point three million is actually the most expensive goaltender on the roster for uh, for VGK. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal, but I'll I'll say this much, Ed: if that's what we're worried about, fourteen games into the season for the Vegas Golden Knights, things aren't going that badly, right? right. So, so what do you do with them? I'm frankly, at some point, you were going to have to move one of these goaltenders, and that hasn't changed, right? So, if the worst that happens is that you have to move Aiden Hill because you can't move Laurent Brassois, then that's not terrible for VGK. Because in the end, this is Logan Thompson's job at this point. And Logan Thompson's going to be the 1A. Who is the 1B? I'm not sure it matters quite as much. Because, again, if we get down to the point of Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois being the question mark for this team, then other things have gone wrong. Uh, talked about this yesterday. want to know your thoughts because uh, uh, Bischoff and uh, uh, Lindsay went back and forth on this. He believes that at some point, and maybe they're going to let him get a thousand straight, that Phil Kessel should be a healthy scratch. That the third line needs to be broken up. We know what the third line's done comparative to the fourth line. Uh, the first two lines have been terrific, but the third line has not been. You know all the numbers. You know all the stats. Uh, Lindsay, uh, you know her point was, you know, Phil Kessel gives you a lot more than scoring. Uh, his presence in the locker room, his leadership. They all love playing with him. His career. Um, I'm not so sure all those things should count uh, if you want your third line to be better. But here's the other thing, and you just said it with the goalies and Laurent Brassoff, that's your, you know, if that's your biggest problem, you're doing pretty well. You can't change anything up now. They're 12 and 2. I, I, just, I just run with it. Now, again, and, and you make the good point, it's not going to be all this way. So if they suddenly are 2 4 and 1 and the third line's still playing like this, okay, then, you know, break it up and think about Phil Kessel. I, if I'm Bruce Cassidy, I just, all I do is come out uh, to the, behind the bench and just sit there and watch, you know, change my lines when I have to change my, you know, insert my lines when I have to insert my lines. I would not change a thing right now. Think about the message you send to the locker room at that point, right? You, you send the message to the locker room saying, well, we got, we got to tinker things up. We got to be perfect. They're 12 and two. They're pretty, they're pretty close, right? They're 12 and two right now. And so, if you tinker with this right now, you're sending the absolute wrong message to this team. And think about what we used to talk about with this team just last year. Ed, we would say Pete DeBoer's tried everything, right? He's tried flipping over tables. He's tried moving the lines. He's tried saying, pat on the head, you guys are doing great, don't worry about it. Well, Pete DeBoer had to do all those things because the team wasn't playing well. Bruce Cassidy doesn't have to do any of that kind of stuff. This team is taking care of itself yeah. You don't need to do any of this stuff. And if you sit Phil Kessel after you've lost five in a row, then I think everyone in the room will get behind it in saying, yeah, you know what? We had to try something. If you do it right now, why would you mess up that kind of goodwill? I know that Bischoff and I are the guys who like to come on here and talk about numbers and optimizing and this and that. And I agree with all of that, but there is an element of humanity to the locker right, room. Right. And when guys are going this well, don't mess with it. No. Don't do anything, and you're right. I think uh, I think right now, uh, 
it would send a wrong message if you did anything with these lines at the point uh, at this point. Uh, Buffalo tonight, Alex Tuck. Buffalo's the Sabers have been playing well. Could this be it? I mean, uh, in, Danny went over the schedule. Danny's got him twenty-two and two. He's laughing, but he's already put money on it this morning. Uh, what do you expect tonight? Oh, degenerate Danny betting on things yes. like a team winning ten straight in hockey. He's answering God calls. Bless. He's bringing in the bringing in the breaks. Oh, and I think he's making God bets. God bless. God bless, man. That's absolutely perfect. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers put out their game day tweet said it's us and the Golden Knights tonight yeah. at Key Bank Center. Uh, let me read you a few of the tweets that came under that from. Uh, Buffalo fans from at Ghost Jack 09 feeling extra toxic today. Uh, from Justin at Allen Knox 1788, nice Bills reference. All my homies love Jack Eichel hate night. Uh, at Kyle Treats said, We are booing Jack tonight. Give me a fun atmosphere <laughs> in Buffalo, isn't great. it? Ed? It's gonna be great. Uh, when we come back, uh, get your questions ready now, please. 69187, preface ESPN. Jeff Erickson from Rotowire is going to answer all your fantasy questions. Questions are coming in now. So get your questions, uh, your lineup questions, your buys this week. 69187, preface everything with ESPN. We'll be back with Erickson after this. No one's trying to be average. If you want to be a great team, you got to be way better than average. So correcting our mistakes, improving our effort, which that's probably the most embarrassing part of our team is our effort level um, on game day. That's something we better fix. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Grady's embarrassed. Embarrassed by the effort. Yeah, what are you going to do? Don't forget at 845 Dollar Loan Center, the Friday football frenzy, $1,000. We're going to give you three games. All you have to do is pick the winners, no spreads. Come on. Tried to give this money away all year, and no one will take it. A thousand bucks at eight forty-five. Listen, then we also have Kevin Hart and Post Malone tickets coming up. Please be joined now uh, from RotoWire, senior editor at Jeff underscore Erickson on Twitter. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Doing well. I promise to give you full effort for these next fifteen minutes. I was going to say, <laughs> well, call it at eight forty-five. I, I bet you can pick three winners with no spreads. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, I think the. To start, and we're going to have uh, 69187, 69187, preface your text with ESPN, questions for Jeff on any fantasy football question, text in now, 69187, preface ESPN. Uh, we're going to have a lot of questions, I think, right away with Josh Allen um, and what to do there. Uh, what are your ideas and thoughts about Josh Allen? Like where I, I think Friday uh, the reports are a lot more uh, stringent in terms of uh, where he sits, uh, but any early thoughts on Josh Allen? My guess is he's probably not going to play this week, but we'll see. I mean, today's practice will be pretty telling. You know, usually you have to wait till Friday. I think with quarterbacks, you usually know after Thursday. If he doesn't practice today, I really would be surprised if they play him this week, uh, especially because they've got a veteran backup in Case Keenum. This is someone who has actually played pretty well, uh, played for the Vikings, actually. Uh, and I, I think he could handle – a one-week thing. I think you start to get exposed a little bit more when it's multiple weeks, but I, you could probably get through one game against a, a Viking secondary that isn't completely scary. I, I think uh, there wouldn't be a massive drop-off. I'd still start Stephon Diggs. I'd probably still start Gabe Davis even still, although I think he's a lot more volatile in terms of his production anyhow, but um, I think both those guys you'd still probably continue to start. So if we were talking standard 10 or 12 team league regular ownership and you were looking for someone to replace Josh Allen who would you be looking at this week 
Uh, pretty tough um, week this week. I'd say maybe Daniel Jones, uh, if he was you know coming off the bye, there's probably some chance in some leagues where he was cut. I actually know of a league where Justin Fields is available um, because I'm the one who cut him because I have Patrick Mahomes, and I use him just for Mahomes' bye week. Uh, so there are leagues out there. I think Fields is like 50% rostered right now in ESPN leagues. At least he was at the start of the week. That's probably tricked up quite a bit since then. Uh, if you can get Fields, obviously go for it with him. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to dig a little deeper. Case Keenum, maybe Jimmy G is out there also coming off of his buy. I really like the Niners offense now. Uh, so th- th- there are options. It's not nothing tremendous, but unless you get fields. 69187, preface ESPN. Here we go. Aaron Rodgers or Jared Goff? The fact that we even have to think about that really illustrates how far Rodgers has dropped. I'm going to say Goff against this Bears defense. Bears games have gone a full 180. It used to be pure drudgery and misery to watch, and now we're taking to the carnival because their their offense is way better. And after trading away uh, Roquan Smith and, Ro- and Robert Quinn, their defense is pretty awful too. Which quarterback would you rather have for the rest of the year, Rodgers or Brady? Brady, uh, better receivers. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think Brady's skills have dropped off as much. I think Rodgers' thumb is really an issue. Misses every single Wednesday practice every week. Um, you can see it sometimes, like a couple of that, the, the throws. When they ran that, uh, that the trick play to Bakhtiari, I mean, he just had such an awful throw on that. And I think it's probably the thumb was influencing that throw. So I'll, I'll say Brady. How far is he? How far is he falling down your rankings on a weekly basis? I think Rodgers will, like when we have everybody, yeah. uh, and we don't have bye weeks anymore, he's probably going to be around 20. Wow, that's going to be an all-time drop. Yeah. It has. Well, and this is why the Packers drafted Jordan Love a few years ago. If you recall, he had two years in a row where he was just okay. You know, it was better than this version, but it was not much better than this version. There's a re- there were people that really thought that he had dropped off, and then he turned into MVP years. I think you almost have to insult him, and then he'll be, he'll be a little bit better. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's bouncing back this year. Another from the text line, Josh Palmer or Tony Pollard? Uh, if Zeke does not play, then Pollard for sure. Um, if Zeke does play, then I'd probably go with Palmer in a PPR league. If it's a standard scoring league, I'd still go. Uh, I'd still go Pollard. Okay, uh, I asked a few questions for the people. Now it's time to ask about my own team. Um, sure. Yeah, of course, that's the way this works. Uh, have to start two of these three: Mike Evans, Jalen Waddle, Ceedee Lamb. Man, talk about first world problems. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I would probably sit Lamb, but I want to watch injury reports on Evans because he popped up on there yesterday with two yeah. issues, but he's been doing that kind of every week, still getting his volume and getting there. But uh, these are all, you know these, these are all three top 12 wide receivers this week. Yeah, and, and, and just to, to add to the point there, uh, when people panic, take advantage. I had a guy after week one who thought that Cam Akers – uh, was going to be a buy low candidate and offered me Jalen Waddle, and I said sure. Oh. So that's how I ended up with this problem. Nice, useful. Uh, Six nine one eight seven. Preface ESPN. Derek Carr or Jones? Um, I would go Jones. I think as dysfunctional as the Colts are, their defense is actually okay. Um, so I'll go. I'll go Jones. It's pretty close because Jones. At least you're getting the rushing uh, rushing yard floor. So we never used to think of Devontae Adams as a volatility kind of guy, but I think 
the Raiders might be in that spot right now. Uh, what do you do with him the rest of the year? Obviously, you're starting him if you have him, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I feel like the expectations might have changed a little bit. A little bit, but I think the Saints game was one huge write-off. I think that the flu that was going around that week had a much bigger impact than I think was initially let on. I mean, Adams played a half, had a half of practice that week and then was pretty much a non-factor. And I think other players on the team were probably affected a little bit. That was, I think that entire game was just one of those games like, okay, it happened, but I don't think that's really where they're at right now. I, I do think that they're just – they are a volatile team, though. I mean, from half to half, as we saw last week. But uh, nonetheless, I think my expectations of Adams haven't changed too much. He's still top 15 any given week. Uh, Josh Allen is hurt, and Derek Carr is my backup. The text says, I'm looking to replace Derek. Who do I pick up, Justin Fields or Jimmy G? Oh, Fields. If you can get Fields, go for it right now. Um, 100%. Yeah, with that, I think they've unlocked something with him. Um, and so I, I think that that's something that where, uh, you know, I – He's not going to go crazy every week like he did against Miami, but, man, this week against Detroit, give me that. Uh, get through a few more of these. Juju, Sanders, or Diggs if Allen doesn't play? Diggs is still playing. You're, you're still starting Diggs. Um, and then Juju versus Sanders. Um, let's go Juju. Uh, what do you do with Jonathan Taylor at this point how do you evaluate him because between the health and the Ellinger factor you're obviously not getting the guy you drafted but what are your thoughts on him um I think he's you know he's definitely changed he's def he's no longer prohibitively top five he's now like top 15 if he's not health if he's not on the injury report and I I gotta wonder like is every week there is there a little bit of a risk that the uh the, the ankle pops up on you know as an issue every week um, and, I mean, just the chaos going on with the Colts, too. I mean, Did we lose them? Jim Irsay and the Colts. Uh, I mean, they cut Jonathan Abrams this week. I mean, it's, they, they've, had, they've cut like four first-rounders from the last three years. I mean, that, that's crazy. And yet, oh, it's just, well, there's the Colts. They're even crazier. They, like, hold, you know, hold <laughs> my beer in it. it. It's really wild to see, but it, it's perfect that they're playing each other this week. All right, we'll get through the text here to give everyone a chance. Najee Harris or Cordell Patterson? Lost him? No, he's really got to think about that one. Just give him time. Don't, ru- don't Why are you rushing Jeff, Ed? <laughs> I know. It's my bad. I feel bad for the texts. I feel bad for the people who texted in. Uh, all right. How, how about this? I'll answer the question, then you can fade whatever I say and, okay. and go the opposite direction. Uh, Cordero Patterson in, in that spot. Atlanta really needs to get him reestablished at this point, and you know the Steelers might be behind at any given time and have to go away from Najee. Jeff, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah, I was trying. trying. Cool. Right. I'm right. trying. Uh, He's trying. Adam was trying. Adam was trying to fill in. We're gonna get through some of these texts before we let you go because uh, people did text in. Uh, Najee Harris or Patterson? Patterson. Um, Patterson is at least getting the goal line work and. I think there's a chance Hot Harris loses some carries to Jalen Warren. Can only start two: Marshall, Peoples Jones, and Claypool. I'm gonna go Marshall and Peoples Jones. Okay. Give me one more week on Claypool before I fully buy in on him. Uh, Curtis Samuel or Deontay Johnson is my flex. Deontay Johnson. I think he's gonna get a ton of targets this week. Knox or Commit? Uh, Commit. Okay, and. Let's see. Josh Allen is probably out. The person says Carr or Daniels. Uh, I would go 
Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Carr. Derek, what, where's Derek in your rankings? I'd be interested to hear this because uh, obviously we're Raiders all the time here in, in Las Vegas. Sure, uh, I've got him around twelve or thirteen this week. It's he's bored, you know he's one of those that's right on the edge, you know, uh, and, and any given week, he, which is where he always is. I mean, uh, he's not a prohibitive target because of the volatility, but at the same time, more often than not, you can you can still use him. Awesome stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson at Rotowire's best. Uh, go to Rotowire, see all of his all of his information. It's Jeff Erickson here with us each Thursday answering your football questions. Thanks, Jeff. Be well. All right. Thank you, guys. There he is, Jeff Erickson, Rotowire. Uh, all right. Here we go. Let's give away some tickets. Kevin Hart, two tickets for Friday, November 18th. Kevin Hart reality check tour, two nights. You're going to get them for the 18th of November at Resorts World Theater. Tickets available at AXS.com. But we're going to give you two tickets right now. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. Danny, what caller you want? Caller number eight for Danny. Caller number eight to Kevin Hart Reality Check Tour right now. 364-1100. Give us a call. Bennett with a ball. Looks to the left. Throws it back line of the end zone. Reaching catch. He got the feet and touchdown. Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint with a brilliant leaping catch. Third and three, Ohio State at Northwestern's 27. Stroud feeds Mayan Williams, barreling straight ahead. Off defenders, now cuts it out wide to the right to the 15. Williams to the 10. Williams to the 5. And into the end zone goes Mayan Williams. A 27-yard touchdown run as he burst through the Northwestern defense. And Ohio State now leading for the first time today, 13-7. to You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bishop. Off on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. It's Ed, Adam, Candy, and Danny today. Congratulations to Josh. He won the two tickets to Kevin Hart. Don't worry, we'll have Post Malone tickets. That concert is tomorrow night. Post Malone coming up, and at eight forty-five, you know what I've been talking about it all morning. A thousand bucks on the line, one thousand dollars. You got to pick three games, no spread, and we'll give you a thousand dollars. Talked about this yesterday, but I haven't talked to you about it. The uh, football rankings, Adam, uh, the second version came out uh, this week. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee falling from one to five after the loss to Georgia. Um, it, these things work out. We, you know, we've said it in the past. It's the cliche that these things always work out. Uh, well, they work out to a point. Ohio State's obviously playing Michigan. That's going to take care of itself. TCU has tough games coming up. They're at Texas, at Baylor, and then the Big 12 Championship. Can, who do you who do you like in terms of being able to come back from one loss more than anyone and actually make this playoff? Well, in the end, when we talk about teams that are out of the playoff and who's going to be able to come back, you're always talking about Bama, right? Right. Because we know that's the reputation that they have and the reputation they have with the committee. So beyond that, I think it's tough for Tennessee. Um, I think it's really, really difficult for them. I think Oregon, though, because the loss came early and came to such a good team, could still find its way back in. What I really love most about this, though, is TCU. Because I love that the committee put them in a spot to say, prove us wrong. Yeah, right? win, win TCU, out and you're fine. Exactly. You win out and we have no reason to take you out of there. As opposed to always seeing a team like that ranked fifth or sixth and kind of waiting for someone else to lose. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think TCU, I, I wasn't going to say they were slighted the first week because, again, it all it all takes care of itself. But I think if they go undefeated, you can't, you can't keep them out. Um, I don't think Georgia loses the rest of the way. This is interesting you said that. I, I agree with you because the Pac-12 has, uh, what is it, three one-loss teams. 
Um, number six, Oregon. Number eight, USC. Number 12, UCLA. I'll have one loss. Oregon still plays Utah. USC and USC, UCLA. One is going to get knocked out there. And um, all three teams have a chance for two quality wins, including the Pac-12 title game. Would there be any... To see how they lost to Georgia, to see how they got destroyed, if you're in that room, and I know it was early, I think it was I think it was the first game of the year for both teams, if I'm not mistaken. Degenerate Danny is saying yes because he probably bet on the game. Uh, do you, you you're in the room? I'm going to put Adney, Adam Candy in the room, and you remember that game. You can't get that game out of your mind. And there's a one loss SEC team compared to Oregon. Just because of that game, are you looking at the optics and saying, we just can't do that again? Or do you think that's unfair to Oregon at this late in the season? I think there are two things you have to consider if if Adam Candy is sitting in the room. First of all, they got a lot of money, and we're ordering steak for everybody. There you go. Second, <laughs> second of all, what you have to consider is that if Georgia doesn't lose the rest of the way, if Georgia plays this well all the way through the SEC championship game, then how can you degrade that Oregon loss and – when you look at Oregon and say, are they playing better than they were early in the year? Yeah, I don't think it's, there's any question that Bo Nix and company are playing way better than they were at the beginning of the season. Plus, if you look at what they have to do, you pointed out yourself. They play Utah again, right? They're mm-hmm. going to play Utah. They're going to put a couple of more quality games on this schedule. They, they, they need USC to play well, right? They need USC to carry up the banner for the conference a little bit here. But ultimately... I think because Ohio State and Michigan are going to take care of each other and because the rest of that conference is not good, then you are probably looking at Oregon and saying, all right, if they can run through the Pac-12, I don't know how we keep them out. Is Bama done? They're never done. And I know you said one loss team, I realize now, and I gave you a two loss Bama team, but Bama's never done. But I heard uh, a couple of smart people uh, say earlier this week, they're just not as dominant in trenches as they used to be. And and that, to me, means they're probably not beating Georgia in the SEC championship if they were to get there. Yeah, LSU would have to lose. Uh, lost at Tennessee and Florida State, but I think LSU would have to lose for Bama out of a chance. LSU plays Arkansas, UAB, and Texas A&M. LSU controls its destiny in the SEC West. I'm going to believe it when I see it, buddy. I'm going to believe when I see it, uh, even with two losses at Bama. I don't think they get in, but I'll tell you what, man. They win the rest of their games, and LSU would lose, and something would happen above them. I'm going to really believe when I see it, because I think Saban still holds that kind of juice in the room.